before we get going on this week's podcast, I want to take a moment to tell you about something exciting for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest California high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's your number one source for California high school sports fans with coverage from reporters Lance Smith, Bodie Da Silva, and me, Connor Morissette. The SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. I'm your host, Connor Morissette, alongside Lance Smith and Bodie Da Silva. We have some championship games to talk about and some state football games to look ahead to. Lance, how are you? We were at Modern Day uh, 27, Servite 7 in that D1 Southern Section Championship. Let's get your thoughts on that uh, momentarily. But first, how are you doing? Hanging in there? I'm doing good. Uh, the, the end is in sight. I'm getting very, very excited for basketball, but... Um, I'm also sad football's ending, but it's always great that it goes out with inevitably a, a few extremely exciting weeks. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm going to check out West Ranch at Sierra Canyon and boys basketball tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, Bodie in San Diego, the open division's over. We already knew Cathedral Catholic had won, but Helix gets a win over Lincoln and Modern Day Catholic wins, so I think that was expected. But the Helix game stuck out to me as a not totally surprising game, but uh, a little bit surprising just because I thought Lincoln, uh, they have a lot of those D1 caliber guys, and uh, Helix got the win. So that, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you. Was that the game of the weekend, though, for you? Yeah, it definitely was. A, a lot of the other games were were exciting, but not nearly as close. And um, Helix was down early and, and got a got a big comeback and shut out Lincoln in the second half. I mean, that was the most impressive thing to me I saw um, over the last several weeks. So. Uh, great game to finish that one off with, but um, there's more games ahead, so that's fun too. Definitely. All right, we'll get more of an in-depth breakdown of that in a bit. Uh, but Lance, like I said, I want to start with Modern Day being Servite 27-7. Servite scored first, but then Noah Fafita, their Arizona-bound quarterback, just had no time the, the rest of the game and was on his backside, I felt like, every other play pretty much. The, the Servite offensive line had a lot of trouble with what Modern Day was doing defensively, and I think that was the key to the game. Modern Day, they didn't have a great offensive night. Elijah Brown threw two interceptions, but it really didn't end up mattering. Relique Brown, so tough to stop. He was over 100 yards, so the run game was fine. Modern Day just did what they usually do, which is just beat you down. But I, I just thought defensively for Modern Day, that's how they won the game getting to know Fafita, making him uncomfortable and really making his life miserable all night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Servite's O-line, I would say, based on the quote-unquote personnel, uh, they've kind of overachieved the last couple seasons. They're still one of the the very much better O-lines in the state, but uh, I think their issues, it's hard to argue that their issues didn't start there. 
Um, I, I thought Fafita did the best with what he could. Uh, some of those plays, especially towards that end, like that last drive where they kind of got it going, even though they still didn't uh, score, like where he threw great passes knowing he was about to get annihilated. I thought that was like borderline iconic and he did the best the best he could. Servite's defense certainly wasn't bad, uh, especially 27 points if you think about how much time their defense had to spend on the field uh, and how much pressure was on them every single time. Uh, I thought that was actually a good outing. Um, but can't pin it just on the O-line. I mean, obviously giving Modern Day all the credit in the world, especially on defense. Uh, their pass rush, pass rush was amazing. Obviously stopped the run too. I was surprised that uh, Tanner Williams, the outside linebacker sophomore uh, who stepped up huge, uh, he only had two sacks. David Bailey only had 1.5. Uh, very obviously those two's individual presences uh, were much more impactful than three and a half combined sacks will tell you. I mean, they really led the charge, even though it was a total team effort. And even though the secondary didn't actually get too many balls to go out, too many, you know, passes to go after or to defense, uh, their their coverage was pretty blanketing. There just wasn't that much. They didn't leave much uh, to throw at. So uh, amazing defensive performance by modern day. And and for Servite, the, like, the, the one thing is, I will say, just their overall energy level, especially after that very first spark, could have been better. And that definitely isn't just the O-line. Like, it's not like they were flat, uh, but they needed their, their energy level and very much could have played with an energy level about two gears up from where it was. So that that's my synopsis. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one other point I have here, I think Tetroa McMillan cemented his case for California Player of the Year and We'll get into Amen. this off the air, but I just rewatched the highlight video that you put up, Lance, and he was like 70% of the offense for them, and he caught their one touchdown, had the interception, which playing both ways. There are people now in the scouting world saying he might project better as a defensive back at the next level because of how talented he is. Yeah. And I know I haven't seen a better high school football player in California high school football this season, so... Uh, I don't want to give him the award before we give it to him prematurely, but I, I for me, he's the favorite. And like I said, uh, we'll talk about it. But uh, I, I don't really know, to be totally honest, if it wasn't him, who who would else who else would be in the discussion? I think he's really separated himself, and I'm so excited if he ends up at Oregon to watch him there. Uh, selfishly, I'd like to see him at USC, even though I'm not a huge fan of them, just so we can have him <laughs> closer. But... Uh, We'll see what happened. Do you agree, Lance? I thought he's really uh, cemented himself. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's the best, the best. And of course, I've only been at this for three seasons now, uh, and you know, we're still going to do more reviewing before the season's over in terms of our awards. Uh, this we're going to look at the state playoffs and this, the bowl games, of course, and then factor that in. But I mean, as it stands right now, before those weeks, not only do I agree, but I'd say in the three seasons that I've I've been going. Uh, there has I, he's the best two best two the the best two way player I've seen, and it's very hard for me to make definitive statements like that. But that's that is how impressed I am, and have been the whole time. Yeah, he he's been great, and, and of course you can't talk about modern day right now without mentioning the lawsuit filed uh, against them and the, the hazing incident that the OC Register started uh, writing about with, with their breaking story last week. Um, and then the LA Times has written a lot about it. And after the game, Bruce Rawlinson, I asked him, it's been a roller coaster week for you. What are your emotions right now? 
knowing he wouldn't address the whole lawsuit, but he, I thought it was interesting. And uh, Bill Plaschke included this quote in his column. Rollinson said, are you kidding me? I just won a CIF championship. It doesn't get any better than that. And I think that he'll end up coaching in the state championship against Sarah San Mateo. But then after that, we'll see if he is coaching in the future, what it looks like at the school in terms of an athletics administration perspective. And I imagine something has to change at that school. But again, don't want to speculate too much. And we'll just let that play out in court and at the school. But again, we have to mention that. You can't talk about modern day right now without talking about that. But Lance, let's quickly move on now to Division Two. Neither of us were at this game, but Orange Lutheran, 38, Alamany 35. Olu was down 11 heading into the fourth, and then they scored 22 points to go up by 11 <laughs> before Alamany scored again. The first three quarters, it was the Floyd Chalk show. He finished the game 22 carries, 232 yards, four touchdowns. And then, I mean, with all due respect to, to Orange Lutheran, I just thought reading the accounts and following along on Twitter, it just looked like a total Alamany collapse. Orange Lutheran oh. scored, and then Alamany got the ball back, and they immediately fumbled on their first play at the 20, and then Orange Lutheran scored again to, to go up, and then they ended up scoring another touchdown later. Alamany made that last-ditch effort at the end but couldn't recover an onside kick. Uh, give a lot of credit to Logan Gonzalez and, and that Orange Lutheran team for, for coming back. They had a great second half, I think, in, in the first half. Gonzalez wasn't as sharp, but then he, he had a much better second half, leading them to the win. A uh, very impressive performance from them. Rod Sherman, certainly in the Coach of the Year discussion for what he's done at Orange Lutheran. Yes. Uh, but, Lance, before I get your take, I will ask you this. Is it good that the fifth-place Trinity League team can win a Division II Southern Section Championship? What do you say to that? Ooh, that's a great one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say yes. And the reason I say yes is because I've seen enough good things from other teams and other, like, spreading across L.A. County, Inland Empire, O.C., both within and outside the Trinity League. Um, I, I think the spread is still healthy enough right now. And I love the fact that you can have a fifth-place team uh, not only contend, but be, I don't want to call them an underdog, but it's not like, I mean, like we knew Olu was a legit D2 championship threat all season from day one, but they were not, it's it's not like, oh, Olu is going to be looming in D2 because they're not going to make D1 and that's going to screw up the whole thing. It wasn't like that at all. So that's why right now I'm going to give that a hard yes. Got it. What's, yeah. Do you have a, what's your opinion? No, I, I think so too. And that just shows how strong the Trinity League is. Um, I just go back and forth with it because I, I do want league play to matter. But when the leagues are so uneven, um, like look at Long Beach Poly in the Moore League, their league is terrible, and then that helps them be placed in Division Four. And I think Orange Luther in their league is so good. Um, should that have propelled them to Division One? I? I think there's an argument to be made there. But I, I, I agree with you. At the end of the day, it's not like I have a huge issue with it. Um, let me quickly make the Rod Sherman Coach of the Year argument. Orange Lutheran under J.P. Presley previously, remember they lost to a pretty bad Long Beach Poly team in that first round of the uh, D2 playoffs in, in 2019. I was there. Yeah. They, they, they had a lead. They had momentum. They had tactical advantages. It just the, There was something missing both in the X's and O's, but like even more there was just – 
uh, sort of an identity missing, like a cohesiveness. Yeah, they, they couldn't keep their top players, which I know Colin Chase transferred to St. John Bosco, but I think now with Rod Sherman, they're not going to have people leave like Logan Loya left for, for St. John Bosco uh, uh, from Orange Luther. It just wasn't yeah. a good situation and it was pretty clear, like Narbonne beat the crap out of them that year. They just are, yeah. they were always a D2 Southern section team. And in 2019, they were in D2 because that's where they were based on prior years. But uh, just looking at 2019 compared to this year, winning D2, in 2019, they had no shot at winning D2. So I think the argument is for Rod beating all these non-Trinity League teams and really cementing Orange Lutheran's place as one of the top teams in Orange County, they had a really great non-league slate, and even though they had some yep. tough time in the Trinity League, I don't think anyone expected them to really do anything in the league. And the fact that they did so well in the non-league and then had a championship run in Division Two, I, I think uh, just based on where they were in 2019, he he really has turned it around in in one year clearly. And I think that's the argument. You can't really look at the Trinity League finish. Um, I don't think that should count against him at all. I think his accomplishments outweigh that vastly. Yep, and might, might I add in the spring, I mean, obviously the spring was just the Trinity League and they didn't even play all, all five games, but they went one and four. It was mostly blowouts, and that was with that was with some some good seniors. Like, that was kind of a year that they were building up to contend, um, and it would have been one thing if they pushed some of those teams a little bit more, but... Um, this year, the fact that they did it with a roster that didn't even have as much returning talent uh, as some previous recent years in Olu history, like, just makes it all the more impressive. Certainly. Lance, you are at Sarah 31, Apple Valley 3 in the D3 championship, and then Bodie will get to you for some San Diego breakdowns. Uh, quickly, give me some takeaways from that game, Lance. Just looking at the box score, it looked like it was a running attack and great defensive performance from Sarah which has been their MO now for the last few weeks. Uh, was that what ha- was that what happened? Yeah, that was it. I mean, like a running attack. So I would say even though they ran it more often than not, and Coach Altenberg told me after the game, we don't hide the fact that we run the ball so we can pass the ball. Uh, it was, they were still, like it was a good Malik Murphy game, even though the numbers are not going to show up. Not to call anyone out, but the receivers had the drop season the first half. Uh, and they could have gotten out of hand a lot earlier than it did. Uh, but I, I was impressed by Gardena Serra's uh, defense. Uh, and I guess three points kind of talks about that. Uh, the one guy who stood out the most to me was D'Angelo Davis, kind of a, a DN linebacker hybrid. And uh, you look at his numbers, he has like 24 tackles for loss or something. So uh, he's been a breakout guy and was really impressive in person. But it wasn't just him. Uh, and uh, yeah, offensively, they, they are patient. Um, they don't try to do too much at a time. Uh, they have, I would say they have more rhythm than they had in the last two seasons. Like even when they had great offensive pieces and great offensive spurts, they had trouble sustaining rhythms. And I think a lot of it is just the leadership of Malik Murphy, obviously great coaching. Uh, their O-line is so much better with a lot of returners uh, than it was the last cup was in the spring, at least. Uh, that was probably the number one thing to me. Uh, offensively for them was that their O-line held off Apple Valley's front seven, which no one's really been able to do. So, um, yeah, it was just dominant all-around effort, and I think it could have been a very close game uh, with Denigal there. Um, But, hey, Sarah's missing guys all season. We've talked about their chronic injury bug, and for them to end up on top even with the injury bug still this year uh, makes it all the more impressive. So 
that's that's that and still uh, unbelievable year for Apple Valley. Certainly, and they'll be back. I think Apple Valley is going to be a school that's just going to keep coming on and coming on because we've yep. seen a lot of people move out that way and teams in that neck of the woods uh, pretty far away from L.A., although they're still in the southern section. Uh, just people are coming out that way, and I think you're going to see it on the football field, Just how, and we already are, just how talented uh, they are. So even though I think go their way, don't expect them to go away anytime soon. And then I just wanted to add, so happy for Coach Scott Altenberg, one of the nicest guys you'll, you'll meet. Uh, Straight up. Yeah, appreciate uh, just how nice he is and, and how easy it is to work with him from a media perspective. Very happy for Malik Murphy, too. Really cool to see him go out with a, with a championship. Um, and, again, I, you could probably make the argument that Sarah should be in D2, but Long Beach Poly is in D4, so I think that's the worst uh, example of a team that was misplaced. So I think Sarah kind of gets a pass. Um, okay, Bodie. Enough uh, Southern section talk. San Diego. Helix wins over Lincoln like we talked about from the beginning. Helix sort of reminds me of Birmingham and the L.A. City section a little bit in the sense that they played a really tough non-league schedule, and it looks like it ended up benefiting them. Uh, not that Lincoln didn't, but um, I, I just think Helix, that tough schedule really helped them out. Would you agree? Yeah, Helix was a team that they had so many opt-outs in the spring season. I, I think 10 or 11 college guys and Tyler Buckner and so many others, I think they would have challenged for a state title. And without them, I think they just realized, hey, here's our time. Let's play all these freshmen and sophomores. It's going to pay off. Then this year they scheduled those games, Mission Viejo and Servite. Um, their offensive line, I believe they've start four sophomores. They only have really two seniors that start on the, the entire team, and it, it's two really good playmakers, Christian Washington and Xavier Van. So um, they they just came along, and even in playoffs, I, I thought they'd lose in the semis, but they made it here. And um, and even in this game, they at halftime, they let Lincoln score right before the half, didn't get the ball, and I thought, oh, they're in trouble now because – they, they run the ball so much. They, they ended up handing the ball off to Christian Washington 45 times in the game. And um, despite that, the defense really stepped up in the second half, shut out a, a Lincoln team that's got so many playmakers and um, was fortunate to get a, a fumble with three minutes left to go. And, and that was that, two fourth-quarter touchdowns, and they get the 28-21 win. Scripps Ranch gets a win, as does Patrick Henry in a game that looked like there were a million points scored. Uh, what yeah. are your takeaways from those games? Yeah, for in the Patrick Henry game, I figured they would win. They've been scoring so many points uh, throughout the season, especially in playoffs. They'd gone over 60 in both games and um, held really to 49 in this one, which <laughs> says something because University City did all they could. But uh, Elijah Lux, the Patrick Henry running back, went for 350 yards and five touchdowns. And, um, he's a guy, he played his sophomore year at Henry, then transferred uh, to Texas and then returned back for his senior year. And um, so great to, to have him out here because he's just such a, a great playmaker and um, just such a, a rushing attack where, when they've got him on the field and um, he can really break it at any time. And, and there were a couple of clips where I was looking through and uh, I mean, you figured he was stopped by two or three tacklers and somehow gets through the hole and 50 yards later, he's gone. So uh, that'll be a really fun one with them taking on Birmingham on Saturday. And from Scripps Ranch, it was Tough for La Jolla because quarterback Jackson Stratton has been hurt throughout the year. Um, he probably shouldn't have even played in the game, but wanted to give it one last go around and um, clearly wasn't healthy. But from Scripps Ranch, they they came out and attacked from the beginning. Jalen Shaw had, had three touchdowns for them. And um, I talking to Coach Gardiner earlier in the week, they got back their defensive captain, and that was so huge for them and um, clearly showed up not just 
shutting uh, La Jolla down, but shutting him out to, to zero points. So uh, Scripps Ranch will be another team. They do have to go on the road to Valencia, but I think that that's a game they can absolutely win and um, get to a state title. Is Stratton still going to go to Washington with the coaching change, does it look like? Yeah, I haven't heard anything on that yet, um, and and not that I've known him to take recent visits, but with so much coaching turnover these these last couple of days, it's it'll be a crazy couple of weeks here leading up to signing day. So um, that'll definitely be one to monitor with him. Definitely. I feel bad for the kids who are committed to USC, but I feel so much worse for the kids who are committed to Notre Dame because <laughs> yeah. the USC situation, you knew Helton had been out since September and you had some chances to like this could was always a possibility that a, a new yeah. coach would come in and not honor the commitments. Like you see Kevin Green, the Alamany receiver, open up his recruitment today, which means he's not going to go to USC anymore. But for Notre Dame, Brian Kelly leaving in the middle of the night to go to LSU, I just feel bad for a kid like Jade Mickey, who's at Corona Centennial, and he just tweeted, God got me today, and I retweeted that. I, you know, imagine you've been committed to Notre Dame for almost a year. Brian Kelly saying he's going to stick around and you're so excited to go there. And then the rug just gets pulled out from underneath you completely. If they hire that defensive coordinator, I imagine a lot of the Notre Dame commits will stick around. So we'll see what they end up doing. I think if they can lock him in, I forget his name, but uh, I've seen on Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. If they can, if they can keep him around, it seems like they'll continue to get a lot of the recruits and maybe could even be a blessing in disguise because we're seeing how much of an a-hole uh, Brian Kelly is. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's one of the the very few schools that nationally that, that comes to recruit in California and so many California guys, Southern California guys all over the Notre Dame roster and from San Diego, Tyler Buckner. So be curious how, how that all ends up because I think guys really want to go to that school. I think that's one of the few schools that uh, kids may commit to more so for the school than the coach. So um, I'll be curious to see how that um, goes because so many of them, whether it was families or friends that grew up big Notre Dame fans, and that was probably the one of the biggest draws to get them there. So as long as there's some stability with the next hire, I think they should be able to keep some guys around. Yeah, and there's no denying that Brian Kelly is a good coach, but I don't know. I saw a thing today, I guess, back when he was at Central Michigan I don't know if, yeah, you heard the story, Bodie, for people. Yeah, I read that earlier yeah, as well. That yeah. was not a good look. <laughs> uh, what's that? Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala, two NFL coaches, yeah. were on his staff, and he invited them to a holiday party, but then they realized that he actually wanted them to shovel snow and park all the cars of the people who went, yeah. and <laughs> it was a miserable experience for them, and that came out, I think, in 2019, but it's resurfaced today. So, yeah. again, you don't have to be a nice guy to be a good football coach. Brian Kelly's making that clear, but um, I, I think he really frustrated a lot of people, including some of the SoCal commits to his yeah. Notre Dame program with, with how he, he left in the middle of the night to go to LSU. And, again, I think – Party foul after party foul. Yeah, and, and Lincoln Riley kind of did the same thing, but I think he managed it a little bit better than uh, – Brian Kelly did. Okay, let's talk about state bowl games, everybody. The state championship in the upper division is not for another two weeks. It's going to be Mater Day and Sarah San Mateo. I'm expecting a pretty heavy Mater Day uh, blowout. Lance, you're kind of agreeing there. You're making a funny face. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe we'll save that for next week so I can find a better, a more delicate way to present my opinion on it. <laughs> okay. In terms of state bowl games, I think Orange Lutheran against Cathedral Catholic is a very interesting matchup. 
I've been picking against Orange Lutheran uh, for a couple weeks. So I had Sierra Canyon beating them, then I had Alamany beating them, and they beat both of them. But they just can't stop the run. So I, I'm convinced that Cathedral Catholic is going to win this week because I think their defense is probably a little bit better than Alamany's and Sierra Canyon's. Even though I've been triumphing Sierra Canyon's defense all year, they let me down in that semifinal. But for the third week in a row, I think it's a bad matchup for them. I've been wrong the last two weeks. Bodie, is Cathedral Catholic a bad matchup for an Orange Lutheran team that struggles to stop the run but can score a lot of points on offense? Yeah, based on what I know there, I mean, it, it's kind of what I what we saw with Carlsbad. Now, maybe Orange Lutheran has a little more talent and all that, but um, defensively, Carlsbad just struggled stopping the run. It, and that's not even a case where Cathedral, you know they're going to run it 80 85% of the time so you can bring some guys up, and, and they still couldn't get it done. So uh, we know Lucky Sutton will run and run and run, and um, like probably like he did against Carlsbad, break some big ones, but you got to be able to respond on the other way. Um, I think the biggest thing I saw from Cathedral in that open division title was they don't throw it much, but when they do, they have Rex Haynes as a deep threat. And Coach Doyle had said he was uh, dealing with a hamstring injury for most of the year. They ended up resting him, brought him back for the championship, and he had two touchdown grabs and really looked like himself. And at all a 6'4 and super athletic and uh, son of Hall of Famer Mike Haynes, I mean, he, he's clearly a, a top talent out there. So with him healthy, that just adds another dimension where – if you're trying to stop Lucky Sutton and you leave Rex one-on-one, if Charlie Meyer can get him the ball, then then that's a team that's going to put up a lot of points. And they put up 50, 60 points a couple times this year. So uh, that, I think, would be the biggest concern for Orange Lutheran. I mean, there's no way you're going to stop them. You're just going to have to keep scoring with them, and, and that's a tough deal to ask. Yeah, and Orange Lutheran, in their defense, that's how they beat Alamany, just putting up more points than, than Alamany did. Um, but to me... We talk about this every week, Bodie. We had Cathedral Catholic ranked really high at the beginning of the year. They had kind of a slow start. And, of course, Orange Lutheran is peaking at the right time, too. But I think Cathedral Catholic, they're finally looking like we thought they were going to look, which at the beginning of the year, if you graded each team in terms of their potential, Cathedral Catholic's potential was way higher than Orange Lutheran's. And both teams are sort of reaching their potential now. And I just think Cathedral Catholic has a higher ceiling, and I like them to win. Okay, Lance, the rematch of all rematches in the southern section – we got Long Beach Poly against Gardena Serra. Whenever these two teams play, it's a party. That's a Saturday night game that you'll be at in the spring. Long Beach Poly won in the fall. Serra won by, uh, I think, each game came down to like a field goal. They're always one-score games, and they're always really fun. I think Long Beach Poly is just a better team right now, so I, I'm picking them. But they did have an easier schedule in the playoffs because they were in D4 compared to Serra being in D3. Uh, would it shock me if Sarah won? No, but uh, I think Long Beach Poly can hurt you in a few more ways than Sarah can. I like the Jackrabbits. Am I wrong to feel that way, Lance? No, I don't think so. Um, I I feel like this is one of those where there's a couple teams that are similar, have a few different ways to attack each other in terms of personnel. They both have a lot of speed and they rely on speed and they both have the speed to counter each other. So when you have X's and O's kind of looking like that, that's when I say, okay, if this team beat them last season, lost in a close one earlier this season, this might be one of those ones where I say, all right, I think I think Pauly wins because uh, when in doubt, I, I'm going to take the team not losing twice in a row when it's this close. Not the best way to word that, but I think I think the point comes across. I know what you mean. I think at the beginning of the year, Long Beach Pauly was a lot worse and. Yeah. In that game, Sarah, that was really before the injury bug hit them. They had most of their guys, and I, I think Polly's gotten a lot better. So I, I, I like them in that game. I, I 
think uh, it's going to be a great quarterback matchup as it usually is. But uh, looking at Long Beach Poly secondary with Dalen Austin, he, he's really come into his own. And uh, I, I think Devin Samples is maybe even the best player on that team, certainly the most underrated. Um, I, I, I like them to win, but I, I think it'll be a one-touchdown game for sure and, and should be really fun because it is always really fun when those two teams get together. So uh, we're excited, or I'm excited, Lance, to see uh, your coverage of that game and read the story, watch the highlights. Should, should be a great one. Bodie, in terms of other San Diego games, so you got Birmingham at Patrick Henry, and Birmingham has Arliss Boardingham, who I, I think is the clear city section player of the year. The city is so down, but Boardingham is really, really good, and I think their defense is pretty good. What can Birmingham fans expect from Patrick Henry? It's just a, a nonstop scoring attack, right? They're going to have to bring their defensive A game, Birmingham, if they want to win. Yeah, so it's definitely a lot of uh, run first, um, and that's with Elijah Lux, who I just talked about, coming off his 350-yard game. Um, they'll pick and choose their spots to throw and, and against University City because of them trying to stop Lux. They found some wide-open guys, so I think that'll be the key there. But definitely looks like it's a matchup to me where each team has this one-star player and how they'll utilize them and how the, the other team can kind of try and shut them down. So I think it should be a fun one. Patrick Henry's got uh, former NFL quarterback J.T. O'Sullivan as their head coach, and you might think, oh, he's got this spread passing attack, but he knows who his best guy is, and he's going to find ways to get him the ball. So. Um, they've been putting up points on everyone. It's kind of tough to compare when you got an out-of-section team and a team like Birmingham that did play those tough games early on. But um, Patrick Henry definitely looks to to be rolling at this point. So Birmingham doesn't have a ton of depth, but they're really tough, I think. And um, against San Pedro, they just came out and popped them in the mouth. And San Pedro is a pretty good team. So they, they won that game 24-14. Again, I know nothing about Patrick Henry other than what you're saying, so I don't really know how to pick the game but it, yeah. stylistically i think it's going to be a lot of fun and i'm excited to have uh your take on on what birmingham does because i think they're decently well-rounded they got a good quarterback they're running back delamonte barnes is, is really good um so I, I think that should be a fun game and that's to me an example of why the state bowl games and state championships are so fun because california is massive and it's fun to yeah. get teams who will never otherwise play each other against each other and, and speaking of that i have one of those games i have independence bakersfield at venice on friday in a state bowl game venice longtime coach angelo gasca finally getting his first section title last week as venice beat canoga park so i want to go talk to him about that covered them in the state playoffs i really enjoy covering city section teams in these games because uh, it's such an added bonus for some of those kids so uh, really looking forward to that game, and Venice happens to be very close to my house, so I won't have to deal with a crazy Friday commute, which I'm excited about after uh, a lot of heavy commuting the last few weeks. So really looking forward to that game. Are there any other state bowl games you guys want to hit on, uh, Bodie, in San Diego or Lance, anywhere else? If not, I'm happy to uh, wrap this up, but Bodie, we can start with you. Any other games you want to talk about? Yeah, the last one, the one I'll be at on Friday, uh, rare, I don't think we get this too often, but San Diego versus San Diego in, in modern-day Catholic hosting Helix. And um, I actually saw these two teams play in the spring, a really weird game because Helix had had all these opt-outs and modern-day Catholic had had transfers that had been uh, deemed ineligible. So I think it ended up being like 17-2. to two. Helix got a safety there right at the end, but uh, they were clearly young and not ready for the moment. And we've seen so many games since then. I think they're they're ready to step up. And 
Um, we know they're going to run the ball. They'll try and control the clock because modern day Catholic can score. And for modern day Catholic, I mean, just looking through, there's like six or seven division one receivers on this roster. When you go down and almost all of them are juniors and their quarterback, Dominic Nankiel is a junior and their two running backs, Nico Mosley and Anthony McMillian, a junior and sophomore. So this is a team to watch out for next year, but not just, I mean, they want to make this state run this year. So I think this is going to be a great game. I think it really comes down uh, to the end there and, um, both head coaches are will definitely be fired up, and um, yeah, this this is this is definitely a game that that people in San Diego are going to be excited about. So we'll definitely have to get there early. And uh, Modern Day Catholic doesn't doesn't seat a ton of fans, so Helix fans will want to get there early as well because the the visiting bleachers will fill up very fast. Awesome, yeah, I'm excited to see how Modern Day Catholic looks. That'll be a really fun game. And do you think they should have been in the open division this year, or, or they did they just miss out? Yeah, I mean, on on talent, they they could have been in. I, I don't I don't know that they would have beaten a Carlsbad or a Cathedral, um, but they definitely should have been above Division Three. But that's how it works. They yeah. they use it based on previous seasons, and um, ever since they've had CJ Verdell, they haven't had a ton of wins, so that's kind of kept them down at uh, Division Three. But um, I'll be interested for next year because they'll move up, and they could technically petition to move up to division one and get to open, but that would require someone to be willing to drop out of division one, which gets you an automatic playoff spot. So that's tougher and not as likely, but uh, no, they, they uh, are just so talented. I mean, it, I think the biggest thing might just be keeping all the guys happy because there's so many playmakers offensively and um, defensively Trey Edwards, who's one of the top 2023 linebackers in the country, just everywhere you look, they've, they've got these playmakers. So, uh, definitely be a fun one and one that I'm looking forward to seeing on Friday. Do you think they'll win again? Yeah, I, I think modern day Catholic would be the favorite. Um, I think if they can shut down Christian Washington somewhat and make Helix pass because Helix does not want to pass a ton. Um, but that was the same thing we saw with Lincoln. Christian uh, did not do much against Lincoln the first quarter, quarter and a half. Uh, Robbie Owens said they made some adjustments, went to kind of quick screen passes uh, open things up enough just for him to get loose. So um, definitely think it'll be the same, but I, I I would have to make Modern Day Catholic the early favorite. Awesome. All right, Lance, the floor is yours for any other state bowl games you would like to discuss. Yeah, well, there's so many good NorCal ones that are with teams that we haven't covered in person or seen in person. So I'm not going to get into those, even though there's so many. Uh, the one that's really interesting to me uh, oh, and real quick, sorry to cut off in the middle of a sentence. Just want to say shouts out to the CIF. I like that they're like modern day Catholic. You're going to play Helix three, Division three versus Division one. Uh, so I like. I think that's a good way of making sure the the division system doesn't get bastardized. Um, and that's not a shot at modern day Catholic at all. Like we we're we're saying they should be in a higher division. So I, I love that uh, Aquinas versus Newport Harbor. So Newport Harbor is interesting because. Uh, they obviously have a losing record every season being in the Sunset League. They occasionally do play like a Corona Del Mar close during the regular season. Big so rivals, even yeah. though they, yeah, so, so even though it's not, you know, it's not like they're really a factor in the Sunset League, they get really good experience from it. And uh, this year they had a lot of injuries. Um, they had a few younger guys step up, uh, but they ended up going on a run uh, in division, I believe division eight might've been six. Uh, and then Division Seven, uh, you got to look at what Aquinas has done for the second straight playoffs, which is just have a nice, solid, but unspectacular regular season, and then going absolutely ballistic 
in the postseason, uh, you got to look at Coach Jordan Brusig, who I think has proved himself uh, quickly as one of the best in the Inland Empire, if not all in the Southern section. Uh, the fact that they can just turn it up like that, like beating Lloyd Singer by one, great. Upsetting Pasadena, the top seed by 10, who has the most firepower, great. Uh, but then beating St. Pius the 10th, St. Matthias Academy, 66 to 14. I mean, where did I, I, I'm speechless. Um, so I think I think Aquinas, this is my prediction, I think they're going to pick up where they left off in 2019, which is parlaying that uh, that section title into not just a bowl game, uh, but a bowl game victory. And then this time, I don't think they're going to come up short in the state finals. I think they're going to win it all. Uh, but I think that's going to be a great one. And Newport Harbor's seen enough uh, big, bad teams uh, to to make that an interesting one. So that would be a fun game uh, if, if we were able to cover that. Um, but just, you know, two days, one weekend, that's all we can do is two games usually. So it is it is what it is. But shouts out to those teams and their great runs. Yeah, Jordan Brusig, I think, like you said, great coach. And James Vondra up there with Quartz Hill, those are two guys who have smaller teams but they they win and so of course i want to shout those two guys out you, you see bruce ronson and some of these other bigger coaches get a lot of credit for for winning at the bigger schools let's give uh brusig and bondra their their due as well because uh year in and year out they they produce really great programs and i think coach vondra likes it at quartz hill and i don't know about brusig i wonder if he'd ever maybe try to get a different job I, again total speculation if he, if he could move up to a quote-unquote bigger school I, I think it would be cool to see uh, how his team would play up a level so something to look at we'll see coaching carousel is coming soon there's going to be a lot of news coming uh, with that so uh, that'll yep. always be fun but i think that's a great place to wrap up lance and Bodie, thank you for your great analysis as always and thank you to our listeners for tuning in i'm connor morissette this has been the sp live california podcast thank you so much like i said for tuning in we will see you next time